Yo, yo, this is Justin Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. Thanks for clicking on our conversation with the Wallows. I'm a huge fan. Uh, these guys are great for many, many reasons. We'll discuss all of it. They have an EP coming in October. It's called Remote. And yeah, thank you for uh, giving us a click of your time. It means a lot. I uh, think they're here. Let's do this. By the way, very excited to be talking to all of you guys. Really, there's a lot going on in your life, top to bottom. Yeah, know? yeah. Like, well, thanks for talking to us, man. I'm excited to go deep and go in depth. It's going to be cool. Jeez. You know, here's the deal. I've done a lot of listening to your, one, the music you put out there, but two, your story is really different because you've known each other for a really, really long time. You've watched each other evolve. You were a four member group. You're now a three member group. There's a lot to cover here. So I just, why a band and how did you even get to the music school to begin with? Because that's where you guys met, right? Yes. Yes. It was a, yeah, a program in, in San Fernando Valley, like Van Nuys Mm -hmm. called join the band. And essentially it, it was, like kids can come together. Like if they want to go in and play a certain instrument, they'll pair you in a band with other kids around your age. And then you'll learn three songs. And after like six weeks or something, you go and play those songs. All the bands play at one show in one day. So like in my case, the reason I think it happened for Braden and I is I had a friend um, that lived at the same apartment complex as, as I, when I was like 12, he had done join the band. Like I knew Braden already. So Braden and I knew each other. When, when I was nine and uh, our moms met on the internet because we were both like young child actors, like coming to LA and I was going to live with Brayden in my first year here. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause I, I, I'm from Indiana, Brayden's from Ohio <laughs> and they met on like some chat board where there's like <laughs> stage parents or something. Yeah. It, like and, shouldn't, it should have been a yeah, scam. Yeah, like exactly. it shouldn't have worked. Yeah. But yeah. we, we, met that way um we we didn't end up staying together but we like we met at cheesecake factory i remember and we both uh god forbid something goes wrong they'll protect you at the cheesecake factory (laughs) it was the cheesecake factory in pasadena Um, and uh brayden and i and both of our moms just met and then we had like a sleepover pretty soon after that and we were like we bonded over like I think it's like Freddy versus Jason, South Park, South Park, and, Let's go. and music, and we were like classic rock, hell yeah, like we love that. Um, and both of our dads, when we grew up, were both musicians and a lot of bands in the Midwest or whatever, and like that we sort of like grew up around that and had that bond. So we wrote a couple, we wrote some songs together, and we were like ten, eleven, just for fun. And then I heard about this join the band thing in the valley through one of my friends, like I said. I was like, that sounds fun. Like, I want to do that the next time. I think they do it a couple times a year. I was like, I'm going to do that. I signed up. I was like, Braden, you should do it with me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sure. And then we got paired in a band with Cole. And that's how we met Cole. And we really learned uh, uh, Purple Haze. Purple Haze, Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge. <laughs> and Jailbreak. Uh, Jailbreak. And Lizzie. Yeah. And uh, I was 12. Uh, and good times. We played at the Knitting Factory, which is gone now. Yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. Knitting Factory. Um, what an amazing first venue, by the way. Like, yeah, to be- yeah, it was cool. It was really cool for us. So, how old are you at the time of doing those songs and playing the Knitting Factory? You said eleven, twelve. What was it? We were, we were, we were twelve. 
right? You had, I might have been 13. They were 12. I was 13. How many years later do you play Warp Tour? Two years later, right? Uh, yeah, it was 2010. So that, or was that one year later? Two years later? Because I was, I was 15 or no, 14. No, it was 2011. It was 2011. Oh, 2011. oh, because, yeah, we, we played yeah. the contest. I was 14. So I was 15. Yeah. Okay. So call it so two, two years oh, We only later. did one show. The, the and one it was two. the funniest it was so funny. Oh it was God. in Ventura, one show, and we were on the, the our stage was like the back of a, like a semi truck. It was, a, it was like a truck that folded open from the side. It is so funny to watch nowadays. And my guitar is so out of tune on one song. It, it makes me laugh so it's hilarious. Hard. And we had like yeah. three people. We had, it was so much fun. But like oh. our got three friends in front, and uh, oh, yeah, so fun. It was hilarious. How do you even get a gig at Warpour? Which, by the way, for any band starting out, no matter the stage is like a decent sized venue. That's yeah, no, it's very true. So that was because of the contest. I think, yeah, that was the contest. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, shortly after we sort of left, joined the band and started. Uh, the, the, the band. Yeah. What's up? Sorry. Called the Narwhals. Well, okay. Ooh. So this is pre-Narwhals. At that time, we were called the Fever. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank on. Yeah, <laughs> spelled F E A V E R for some reason. Like beaver, but with like an F. beaver with an F. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we as the Fever, which was our first rendition post join the band, um, we signed up for this ninety eight seven radio the, the L A radio station uh, Battle of the Bands, and somehow we managed to get like enough online votes to go to the showcase at the Key Club which is no longer there. That's now One Oak, believe it or not. So <laughs> the Key Club is One Oak. Um, but it was at the Key Club, and I don't know what happened, but we won this battle of the bands when we were like 13, 14, <laughs> through of the 98-7 competition. Uh, and then that's one of the prizes was a slot at the Ventura Wharf Tour. So that's how And how many original songs do you guys have by the time you audition? Oh my gosh. Okay, I have a really? funny story about that. <laughs> so I literally brought, uh, so another another one of those uh, prizes when you won is to meet with like record companies. So we met with like Electra Records and all these places. And I was so funny. I was 14. I brought a book of all the songs we had. I brought like 70 songs of ours. And I would like show them and be like, here's all our songs. Here's our album. Here's our next album. Here's yeah, our next album. I had like three albums worth of songs. Yeah, songs. Like, songs, you know. They, I mean, they were they were songs. Awesome. I remember we were songs. sitting at this conference table. You were so tiny and you're like, yeah, we got like four albums ready. Yeah. Like, here's here's the, all the songs I've written. And it was like, the cockiest no. little kids. And we were so, so cocky. It was so great. But um, yeah, we, I mean, uh, I'd say like real, like real songs we played live. We probably had like, like 14 to 20 songs we like we just like did you think about it it was so fun um like one of our first songs called kids on the street that Dylan and i wrote together it was like we were playing grand theft auto 3 and we took a break and like wrote kids on the street i don't remember that dude i'm upstairs in my parents old room which was a den at the time remember they moved upstairs was like a den and they they were like downstairs very anyway crazy Oh, such good memories. It is crazy that that song that you write on a Grand Theft Auto break ends up being performed at Warp Tour, and you pitch all those songs to major record label executives. And obviously, I mean, nothing really came out of that, right? But no, no absolutely nothing <laughs> just, at all. Just good times. Good, <laughs> just memories. Good, times. good memories. Memories and stories to tell for this moment, because right. obviously, years later, 
lives change, but do the three of you stay friends through all of it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, mean, I think we, we were consistently like rehearsing and writing and playing shows like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I remember we played as the Narwhals while I was going to school at USC. Do you remember that? And they were like, my friends were in the front moshing at the, uh, that downtown venue. Do you remember that? What? You don't remember this? What's that down, the Terragram, but we played Terragram oh, as the right. Narwhals. That's crazy. And we were like, yeah, all the people were like moshing. And that was when I was in, I was a sophomore in college. Oh yeah, we were like, people mosh. We yeah. played pictures of girls at that show. We oh, did. Wow, like crazy. an early rendition of that song. Yeah, so we, we were consistently doing it throughout, I mean, from age 12 to, you yeah. know, I guess now writing music weekly monthly how did you even now today like how has your creative process changed i'm assuming you're playing less than grand theft auto and maybe like you're like are you allotting time to make music how does it work today compared to before or even the narwhals (laughs) i mean i remember the beginning it it was (laughs) music was mainly written at um our old friend's house like we would go there old bass player's house. So we would go there and actually play our instruments live and write songs like just in the room kind of thing. And we would also do that in like my old, my, my parents' bedroom. Uh, we would like write music when we were really young in there. And uh, it would kind of just start with like ideas and then we would go to each other and just jam them out or just improvise something. But yeah, a lot of jamming. A lot of jamming. <laughs> but now um, it's been a little different now because of the world. Like I'd say that the songs we've written recently that are going to come out on... Um, remote coming out October 23rd yeah new EP those were all written kind of uh sparsely throughout time but then like condensed together during this quarantine so we wrote a lot of stuff through voice memos like I would like sing a guitar part and then Cole would play it because he has the professional gear that I don't have professional professional (laughs) gear so like I would like write a guitar part in my phone and just like send it to him for him to play so the writing process was different in that way um and uh i don't know it's it's been kind of the same more or less maybe less of like live jamming and more like recording parts and stacking on top of each other rather than uh like live writing or something i can't remember the last time we wrote a song all like jamming like with electric instruments like i can't remember crazy actually wow yeah it's all been demoing into the computer for Mm -hmm. the past like three some odd three and a half four years yeah but so what why what why have you gone from one way to another what's because we can't actually play I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no i uh that's funny uh i think well when we became a three-piece like and just like you know things changed like i went to school and they were working on things like uh we stopped just having the luxury of being able to like play as a full band pretty much whenever we wanted yeah um, that, that actually makes and sense. also like you know once we started I don't know, like once we got older and started to like be exposed to a lot more music and have different tastes and styles and stuff, like I think our writing just became more about like demoing and I don't know, it just, it just changed. Mm-hmm. It changed. Yeah, you can only get so imaginative with like one guitar bass drums. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that actually makes sense. And then, so, and then I feel like right around that time we became a three piece and like became wallows. That's when you started to learn like really how to actually record yourself and that's and it's sort of i feel like we just we realized we could experiment a lot more with you know program drums or uh you know just through a computer like this is actually way easier and and allows us to get more creative um and then we just have to figure out how to play it live later 
Yeah, which is a process yeah. in and of itself. And by the way, like that, it, it is, it's, it is a process, but you do have so many more possibilities, right? Like with, literally at your fingertips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, almost sometimes it's way too many possibilities because like one virtual keyboard instrument will have like a billion different sounds. So it's, <laughs> it becomes a lot of like, once I find something I like, that becomes like one of the five things that we always go back to, I think, when writing, at least from my perspective here with this. Zach Sang Show. I got to hit pause real quick to tell you about a sneaker that is changing our world. And I know that might sound dramatic, but it's true. Thousandfell not only looks amazing, these sneakers are designed for literally everybody and usually a piece of fashion. It's not meant for everyone. It's meant for one person or a group of people. These things are literally sleek and cool for you, me, your mom, your grandma. It doesn't matter. Plus, Thousandfell is 100% leatherless. They're 100% recyclable, which is awesome. They're also vegan certified. Thousandfell is certified by PETA and zero waste. Their whole process produces nothing, no waste. Also, Thousandfell is good for any weather condition. They're stain and water resistant and they're odor repellent. So if your feet smell, Thousandfell is for you. Also, blister proof. So if you walk, don't worry. Thousandfell's got you every step of the way. I love them. This is the coolest part. Besides the design and besides the fact that they produce zero waste and the people, the minds behind Thousandfell care about our world and about us, if you send your old pair of Thousandfell back to the headquarters, they'll give you 20 bucks on your next pair. Like what? Your pair will be recycled or donated. Either way, going to the proper home. Thousandfell is changing the sneaker game and I think you should get involved. I am. I'm going to be rocking a pair of Thousandfell. If you're interested, just go to thousandfell.com and please, there's going to be a uh, post-purchase survey. Just select the Zach Sang Show and let them know that I sent you. Zach Sang Show. A song like Nobody Gets Me Like You, is that based on reality or are you writing that from fiction? How does that start? Um, that song, uh, musically it started just um, in a room, maybe a couple, I mean, gosh, months and months ago. The, like, the, the first idea started with um, Cole and I with our friends Sachi and John. Dylan was away at the time, but we just kind of went in a room and just made music. And that was the first idea that came out was like that song. And there's a fun video I might have to share sometime, but there's a keyboard line after the first chorus that is the first thing that I just like played on the thing. And, and Cole got a video of it. Me and Sachi are just laughing, having like the best time. And it's the yeah. part that's stuck in the song, which is really cool. Yeah, it's like nonsense keyboard playing. Nonsense. And then right when the chorus ends, it's like exactly the exact take perfectly. And then it's like garbage again. It's really, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> but, um, and then yeah, lyrically that song just came from an honest place as well. Like I just was, you know, thinking of someone and uh, thinking about how I don't know. I've never really written like a, a true, like kind of love song, I guess. Like I've never really like, it's like sometimes harder to write an actual genuine, like love song that doesn't sound cheesy or something. So to me, when I was just thinking about it, I was like, wow, like this person actually gets me, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, like the, the concept of it, I thought was like interesting or something. Yeah. And I think too, like during that specific session, like when that music and the whole idea of the song sort of began, like we were sort of inspired by just like, pop songs mm. and like it was an attempt at us being like 
let's like make something that's relatively simple, straightforward, but like sends a pretty clear message. Mm -hmm. And it's just like pop because it's, yeah. it's just, that's what were you guys trying to like, weren't you like trying to like, yeah, you're strictly trying to write a pop song trying to keep like these really simple, digestible, like lyrics, just like this hook. That's so just like, wasn't that what you were going for? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, and it, also, I remember when you guys sent it to me, you called it People, and it was on the day that People by the 1975 came out. Oh, right. I was like, you guys, it's not called People, it's not called People, it just like, came oh, out. Yeah. Literally. Thing. Wait, so uh, do you start the session knowing you, that you want to create something that's more poppy and let that kind of dictate where you go? I'd say for me, like, that's like 80% of the time. Like, I'll know exactly the kind of song that, like, I'm trying to, like, find or create. So, yeah, going into that session, it was, like, a lot of, like, just early 2000s pop music or something. Yeah, I feel like there's some songs that will be on our, like, second record, inevitably, that one is, like, inspired by When It's Over by Sugar Ray. Oh, yeah. And one is, one is inspired by Ali and AJ. <laughs> Potential breakup song. Potential breakup song, and the best song ever. One is inspired by like, in sync or something. Yeah, in sync. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and like, cause those songs, like, I know, I know, there's plenty of people in the world who might find those songs really funny, or like, they are like certainly nostalgic and and whatever. But those are such wonderfully crafted songs. Oh, like, especially something like in sync, or oh, like, yeah. I, I have so much respect for that yeah. as an art form. It's so, insane. It's like, so good. Us trying to do that, I think, is where I mean, nobody gets me. Kind of came from that and then yeah like Dylan said a lot of the songs on the record going forward like just happened to be from that same period of time so in this pop mindset that's also inspired by a cheap but forever 90s kid pop right like Disney Channel pop like, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, I, I wasn't inspired by Alan. <laughs> I was not inspired by. I don't even know who that is. I, really I love. It. I do. So yeah. I wake up inspired, and I'm inspired by them. They're the, hey. that movie where they milk cows. Great. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it was cowbells. I don't even know yeah. what this is. Cowbells. I got like, what are <laughs> this up? I remember that. Dude, that's hilarious. Disney Channel movie of the week. That's, for but that. then what's also interesting about nobody gets me is yeah, it was like pop inspired, you know, pop writing, whatever. But then. Like Ariel Reichstein, right? I, say, I mean, I, I, I say it differently every I say time. Differently. I need to ask him how it is pronounced. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Dave Fridman mixed it, who did like you know, like Flaming Lips and like th like things like that. So I feel like I I love how the song is like a traditional kind of pop song, but with the production and mixing of like you know, Something Flaming cool. Lips or like Weezer thing, and it's just like Weezer. what you know or whatever MGMT thing. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of polarizing people maybe right now. Yeah, like people don't really get the production, but yeah, I like it. There's a Twitter comment that said something about how the song sounds like it was made in a microwave. Yeah, I saw that. Which, <laughs> is, which is hilarious. Like, I think it's cool to present this pop song in that form, just kind of like this crunchy, like, it, I love it. Yeah, I love too. it. And, but it is a little bit um, abrasive. Yeah, which, it's, it's kind of crazy and it's abrasive. And like, I remember the version that we had that was just when it started off with just Saatchi and John, like there was a version that existed that was much more, it was much more simple. It was, it was like big crash symbol in the chorus, like a big symphon, like fuzz bass. And that was it. Like really easy to understand, like really just like kind of like, like jumping at the show kind of thing. Right. But like, but then Ariel took it and sort of was like, I'm trying to go for like a, cause like, I think we should take this like a velvet underground 
making like a psychedelic pop song kind of way. And I was like, that's cool. And then he's like, I think Dave Fridman would really kill this in the mix. And we knew who Dave Fridman was. We were like, hell yeah, like we're huge fans of Dave Fridman. Like, and the song, yeah, just naturally became kind of crazy, which we love. Like, yeah, I'm here for that. Like this, there's a lot of songs on Remote, the EP, that are uh, crazy and definitely different for us. Like we're definitely experimenting on it. Um, but like, it just is really kind of natural. It's all really natural coming from us. But I think that like the most like abrasive sounding one in certain ways is Nobody Gets Me. But that's funny because I feel like it's like the most conventional pop song on the thing too. So it's, it's, yeah, anyway. (laughs) I'm interested in how Remote is going to differ from the other Wallows records that you put out, but are Wallows records different than Narwhal records, different than Fever records? Or oh, that's, that's yes. I mean, yes, but also like nothing happens sort of a lot of those songs existed in earlier forms as the Narwhals. Like a lot, a lot of them come from the Narwhals era and like we just sort of, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. But then we, uh, you know, evolved, they evolved over time, but so in certain ways, like production wise and like, just, I feel like in terms of like it's sounding mature, like it's definitely different from anything we would have done as the narwhals or the fever or whatever. But there is still a lot of like the same, uh, I guess like blood or influence in it that was around during narwhals. But I'd say that now no longer, like if like nothing we're doing now is anything from the past, nothing happens did cause it's natural. It's our first record and everyone says like, you have your whole life to write your first record. And that it definitely is true, but now it's just uncharted brand new territory. Yeah. And, and definitely different from anything we were ever trying to make before i'd say nothing happens it is the first album there's pressure attached to it but then some may argue there's more pressure attached to the second one that's why people put it off for so freaking long because they fear the sophomore slump Mm -hmm. yeah we we like don't want to put it off we ideally want to record it soon and i don't know if it'll be able to come out soon because we're probably only going to put it out when like we're able to tour it because that's just what you have to do and who knows when touring's going to come back um but yeah we're kind of eager to jump into it in a way Mm -hmm. like because i think look like i guess it could be a sophomore slump i have no idea it depends on how it's received but like it's not going to be anything like nothing happens in most ways and that's why i feel like it's more exciting for us and we're eager because at least i know that we're not going to like make a worse version of the first album, if that makes sense. At least we're trying something new, and like that's at least inspires us more, and I think makes us less nervous to jump into it because we're not like, oh, is this as good as the first? Because I can't even compare them. You know what I mean? And you rather that, right? Because that you, you, who wants to do the same over and over again? Yes, I've always thought. I've always said this. Like, I think that artists get sort of screw themselves a little bit when they make two records that are like really like if they have success on the first record and they make one that's really similar the second time they're not gonna be able to like make the same kind of album the third time around and then when they experiment then everyone's like what are they doing because they got everyone used to one thing and i think there's certain artists that really really pull that off extremely pulled that off extremely well and i've i've always had that mindset so like i feel like our mentality going into our second album, no matter what was like, we got to, it's got to be different from nothing happens. Like we have to just get people prepared for whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then we're, and then you're sort of smooth sailing. If people accept two very different records out of the bat, like I feel like you're sort of open to do whatever after that, you know? What is 
are you bored to you guys? I mean, obviously it's a song that's taken off pretty, pretty nicely, right? Is that attached to the sound moving forward? Is that more attached to uh, nothing happens? Where does that fall on the spectrum of hmm. wallows? Hmm. Whoa. I've never really thought about that. I mean, uh, I, I, I would say that it's sort of a little bit of both maybe because, um, you know, one, one thing that I think, uh, I like about that song is, you know, I'm like personally attached to the lyrics, which I think not that, uh, all of our songs aren't like that, but I think going forward, that's like a big thing for us is just making sure that whatever we write is coming from a really personal place. And I think that song has like a lot of personal meaning, at least for me, I, I don't want to speak too much for you guys, but I know, you know, um, Dylan, you wrote uh, it. What's up? Did Dylan write it? Do you write it? We kind of, we, we all did. We all I guess did. the lyrics. Yeah, kind lyrics of really. Yeah, lyrics we both, we both, Cole and I wrote. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something, that's like something about that that will stick around. I mean, as far as like the actual sound of it, I don't know. Yes and no. I don't know. Mm. I, I mean, I, I have thought about that a little bit because I, I think, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Are You Bored Yet has, pick, has gotten a lot more uh, pickup than our other songs, especially during especially this year. Um, and I think what's interesting about Are You Bored Yet is that it, 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 if it leans on any side of the wallow spectrum, like new wallows or old wallows, it leans more new because it feels more like one of the more, I guess, like modern or like sort of pop songs on Nothing Happens, which I feel like is more in line with what we're doing now. So I still really appreciate Are You Bored Yet? And I'm not burnt out on it. I'm honestly just like, I'm proud of that song because we never pictured that being a single or especially the lead single. We just made the song. We're like, yeah, we really like the song. Like we didn't think of it in that way. And then when the label wanted to make it the lead single, we were surprised. And I remember at first I was like fighting it. I was like, Oh, like that, that, that doesn't make sense. But then obviously they know what they're talking about. Like it's their job to like do that, not ours. And um, I mean, we should give input for sure, but collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. We ultimately just listen. And I, I don't know, like it feels like that sort of underdog song that just sort of uh really surprised us so i i really like that song i'm really proud of it i honestly am mm -hmm. when you're writing it are you asking that question to yourself or to somebody else uh, i think in the narrative of the song it's uh it's kind of a bit of both like it's sort of saying i'm getting a little uh tired in this relationship and like are you bored yet <laughs> you know it's kind of yeah, like but, are you <laughs> yeah like the question like you have the question for the other person, but maybe you haven't quite asked it yet. So it is a little bit of both. It's sort of asking, it's sort of like wanting the other person to answer the question so that you don't have to. That's, that's the whole, Yeah. like, I hope you were feeling the same thing and that you can do this so I don't, so I don't feel really Yeah, bad. like you rip off the bandit, I don't want to do it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> question, like, what, what do you think it was that people heard in you guys early on that allowed you to keep going? Because, I mean, it is a feat to even win that band competition. Like, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe may, I, I should like know everybody's past maybe a little bit deeper. But none of y'all were super duper famous, you know, back then. Like in a huge way. Like not now. Like not, not Thirteen Reasons Why famous. Like you know, no offense. It's pretty big now. <laughs> there was some real credibility that was like people heard something here. So my question to you and even to your parents like what what is it what do you think they heard when we were like little yeah oh my goodness you, you know 
I feel like adults just got the a kick out of us because we were like thirteen year olds, like playing like classic rock and roll, and, and adults were like, "Damn!" You know what I mean? That's, yeah, I feel yeah. like realistically, that's what it was, and that's why we won that competition. Like, there were probably plenty of like very talented like twenties like musicians in their twenties in that competition that we just like they were won so because we were like running all over that stage as like thirteen year old kids just going crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember like this this could be part of it like when when i was a kid my mom would tell me like when people would ask her about the band she would say like oh yeah like whatever keeps them out of trouble because like we were so dedicated to it for some reason like we were I, we were driving out to san clarita and like, like doing all this day. stuff like multiple multiple times a week so it was it was like what occupied all of our time um and so that's that's better than us not doing anything i guess right so we just had supportive families. I don't know. Yeah. Very supportive families. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think like, you know, for that, that question, if it's posed like wallows, like, I, I don't know, because we definitely have like a platform when we first came out. I mean, like we didn't mean to time it this way, but our first song and like the debut of wallows did come like only like a few weeks after like 13 reasons why I had at air. And so we obviously had like, a platform and an easy way to get the song to a lot of ears right at the beginning. Um, that's absolutely true. And, but like no one had to like it or stick around at all. I feel like there's plenty of people that you see that are like famous or popular or whatever that try music and like no one listens to it. Like they'll listen to it at the first and then they kind of like kind of goes downhill, but like it was really refreshing and like really um, rewarding that like it only like grew from there and people really just responded to music what people liked about it. Like, I, I can't say, I don't like, it's hard for us to know like why it resonates with people. Like we know why we make it, but I can't say what, what made people stick around. But like, uh, I'm just happy that they did and that it, it stood for itself. And wall is now just completely stands on its own. By the way, it is, it, you bring up a really interesting point, right? Like, yeah, people had access to it at the gate, but they didn't need to hang around. It didn't need to grow. It could have fallen off. I, and obviously this is something that's been around in your life for so long and something that you've taken seriously, all of you for so long. So my question to all of you is music, what you think you were meant to do, because that could be something that you question like Dylan, you, you like, you can't tell me that you didn't give probably 15 hours a day on set on 13 reasons why on some days working like a mother. And this was still all happening at the same time. Like it's hard work, you know? for all of it absolutely yeah the the, the timing of the time where we were doing both it's crazy times. a lot uh but like my mind was always on music though like i mean obviously i was focused but like i i mean i definitely like wallows is essentially i feel like what all of us were definitely meant to do like yeah 100 it's it's my mind is occupied by wallows like 100 of the day <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah yeah I, I would say yeah just from when my my dad first taught me guitar at like 10 or 11 years old it was just like that's just what i wanted to do i just played i just played guitar in my room for like 10 hours a day you know listen to like all his records on my vinyl player that he had since like the 80s or 90s so it's like all day like and i just wrote like record on garage band all day like i would also go skateboarding and do all this stuff and like hang with my friends but <laughs> But yeah, like music was the thing. I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna like, oh, I want to do this. Like, this is like what I want to do. Like skating, I knew it wasn't gonna be like Tony Hawk. You know, I was doing that for fun. 
Yeah. But then music was for fun, but then also like, oh, I want to like actually do this, you know? Yeah, and I feel like Brandon and I, like we, we both grew up acting, right? And I think that, but there were a lot of times, we've known each other for so long, but there were times in our lives where we'd be like, yeah, like, screw acting. Like, we just want to do music. Like, that's all I want to do. Like, that's way cooler. It's all blah, blah, blah. Like, we've always had those kind of conversations. Like, we've always, like, hoped that one day we'd be doing what we're doing right now. And, like, mm-hmm. that's really what we've wanted all along, um, ever since we were, like, little. And uh, so I think we're both just really thankful that it worked out. And, like, it's funny, though, like, I feel like there are also times where we're, like, I'm done acting now. Like, that's stupid. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. But then we're more open to it I think Definitely. now, like, cause it's, it's sort of, I think that the stigma of like an actor trying to do music or a musician trying to act has really gone away, especially in the last few years, because like, there's just so many like musicians, like I'm thinking of like Janelle Monae or something that yeah. like will go and try an acting project. And then it's like, Oh my God, she's amazing. Like, this is like, you don't like, there's no stigma about it anymore. So we're just sort of open to using our time wisely and like, you know, if touring's not a thing for a while, like we're going to be trying to do other things. And if once an album's done and like, you know, just, just making the best use of our time creatively in general, yeah. you know, we're more open to it now. People care about genuine, right? People care about organic. So if you put your organic self into anything and they're supporting you, they'll support what you do. And you guys make honest music. Um, I couldn't find any of the Narwhal or Fever stuff, so I don't know if you were writing honest records back then, but they, it seems <laughs> honest today, truthfully. So I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like sometimes people who are actors or whatever, they do music. It's like, it's obvious that they were just given a song by somebody else. And the first time that they're hearing the song is the same time that they're cutting lyrics written by somebody else. It's like, do you get what I'm saying? It's not yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's detached. They're not, they're not the same thing. It's, it's one thing being shoved in another hole and right. it doesn't turn out very well. Usually. Um, well, and then sometimes it does. Who knows? Right. It's been a while since it has. Um, yeah. Uh, that's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> Remote is the EP. It's coming. Do you have a story that you're looking to tell, or are you just trying to get a collection of great songs out there, each one doing its own thing? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say there's. A, I wouldn't say there's any story that's trying. I wouldn't say there's any story that's trying to be told. Like I think that one thing we did know we we made, okay we made it all during quarantine. We made it all remotely. Hence the title. So, like, at first, it started off as, like, yo, like, I think we should, during this time, like, we have all these demos and ideas floating around that I don't know if they're going to, like, fit on what we want to do on the next record or whatever. Why don't we just, like, kind of finish these songs and make, like, a mixtape? Like, that was, like, I was, like, we could do, like, an album's worth of songs, but not an album. Um, that's That was the original concept. But then it turned into, like, a mini album. Like, sort of blurs the lines. Like, seven, eight songs. And then it just really like went through a lot of versions surprisingly. And we ended up narrowing it down to like a six song proper EP that we really promote and like take it seriously. Like we would any other record or whatever, and like put our best foot forward uh, with like the best six songs we can do. And so that in that sense, it's sort of now just like, it is sort of like the best six songs we can do and just like a little mini collection. And every song I think is really different from each other in its own way. And um, but that's kind of what's fun. Like if, if there's, we were just like, we can really take this opportunity to do like six very different songs and just put them on an EP because it's not like a, a big body of work. It's not like we, it needs to be this sort of cohesive thing. But I do also think it's really cohesive at the same time in a weird way. People might feel the same when they hear it. I don't know, but 
that's what you want. You want cohesion that isn't really obvious, that just kind of exists while each one's sounding different because then it's the through line is you, but each song is wrapped differently than the last. Right, and one thing we wanted to avoid was, um, like, it's made during quarantine, but, like, we didn't want to sing anything about quarantine stuck at home or, like, COVID or anything like that because we don't want to date it. We don't want this to feel like, oh, like, we did this remotely. This is a quarantine project. We don't want it to just exist as that. Like, we, we're taking it very seriously, and that's why, like, I liked the name remote also because I liked envisioning a remote control. So I think the approach that we made with this, like we kind of a weird looking remote sort of thing on the cover and this very vibrant logo, which is what we wanted. Um, but also like the EP sort of feels like a remote control, like flipping through stations, like different like radio stations of music or something in a way. And like that's sort of, I think if there's any concept in our mind, that's what it is, is like just sort of flipping through stations in a way. But there's no like, there's only... Uh, there is like maybe a moment of radio static or whatever, but there's no like, yeah. it's not like every song I'm saying that, but like the loose concept in our brains is like, yeah, I feel like that. Uh-huh. It's certainly experimental. I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 So obviously it's done coming in October. That's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here for it. And I'm, I, I like things that sound, I, I like things that sound different yet the same. What are you thinking, Daniel? You're, you're sitting there and you're scheming. I can tell. I'm not scheming. Was the cover art made on Microsoft Paint? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know what Mage uses. Yeah, no. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, we discovered uh, Mage, this artist, uh, through Instagram. He'd done work recently with Frank Ocean and, like, the recent Frank Ocean covers and whatnot. And, like, I loved the logos on, on those and, like, the, the merch and, like, prep nights, the prep club nights that Frank was doing and, like, like, who's this guy? And we found him, and then luckily he was down to just make a cover for us. And he's, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan. I'm so happy he did it. Yeah, he's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought you guys may have been just running with that whole 2000s thing because I also saw you had the, uh, what was it, the PowerPoint logo that said wallets in the music video? Oh, yes. That is, right. that is like straight up like word art. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought you guys may have just been running with that throughout the whole, the whole uh, remote thing sort of in there but not like not really i I think that the the music video exists in its like own world yeah and the ep is sort of its own world (laughs) its own world but i mean they're connected because nobody gets me on the ep but they serve different purposes (laughs) yeah Yeah. that wasn't okay was that that was part one of the music video right yeah Mm -hmm. correct so were these songs all written at the same time or did you decide to do a follow-up later was that all written at one time like well the original concept before um quarantine hit was we were going to put out four singles this year so okay was going to come out or it did come out as that first single of the bunch and then nobody gets me was going to be second no matter what but we didn't know that that was going to be a part of remote because remote wasn't going to exist like that came later um and and you know we decided to put nobody gets me on remote after we realized that we did it remotely with ariel and and all that but anyway um so yeah, okay, and nobody gets me, and two other songs were around at the same time. So we knew the we knew the blueprint of those being connected in the video. So that's why when okay ended to be continued, we really thought it was going to be continued way sooner and like no problems. But then we had to make the decision if we wanted to keep it going, knowing that it's going to be on remote. And we were like, yeah, why not? Like let's just do it. Question, Dylan, when you break down lyrics or get into the booth, do you have a process? Like how do you how do you prepare? 
Well, on Nothing Happens, like we, Brian and I would like slave over lyrics together, whether it be <laughs> he's singing it or I'm singing it. Like we would leave the studio and go to specifically 101 Coffee Shop here in LA and like we'd sit there for like four hours and we're like, what should we say on this song? Yeah, yeah. like what should we do? And, and I, like I think that approach has changed a bit. Like at the time, I don't think we were like, we took lyrics seriously, but we weren't focused on that. We were focused on like the music and like whatever. And we sort of thought of lyrics last. Mm-hmm. I think we've understood, we've, we've, as time has gone on, realized the importance of lyrics even more. And like, it is one of the first things that I, I think about now. And like when we're demoing, like I used to only sing gibberish over demos, which is still the majority of time now. And you're like, but even Kanye does that in the booth, you know, you hear like a Kanye leak and he's just like, like, feel like everyone does it. You know what I mean? When they're first like figuring out a song, but like not, I like, I don't, I don't want to overthink it. I think my thing now is like, for me personally, like I don't want to overthink the lyrics, like, when we're making demo and like if Cole's making a part or something, I'm sitting here just writing out words that I could be able to go and sing on the song. Cause I think a, a demo, especially for our label or something is always easier to digest if you have actual words that you're listening mm-hmm. to. So I feel like most of the time now we're trying to make sure that like these songs are as completely written as possible early on rather than like figuring out as we go while recording. I think that's really important. And I remember saying after nothing happens, I was like, to make it easier on ourselves, like every word has to be written before we go in there. Yeah, like the day before we did Scrawny on our album, like me and Cole got in the studio and Dylan was just in the backyard pacing before we did just the vocals, like, like yeah. writing the lyrics, like right before like, finishing <laughs> them up, yeah. which is just funny. But not, that's just normal too. It's not, but I just want to avoid that now because it's stressful. You're like, what am I yeah. going to sing? I, I do think under pressure is good. Like I was yeah. watching the yeah. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, South Park documentary. Six Minutes Air? The Six Minutes Air. And I totally agree with Trey Parker. He's like, He's like, I don't want to think about what I'm doing, you know, two weeks before. Like, I need to do it right before because the pressure makes it easier and, like, it just kind of happens. And, like, that's kind of exactly how I feel. Like, there is times where, like, maybe our label or something wants demos before they we can do, like, a record or something. But at the same time, I want to be like, no, just let us go in and, like, make something from scratch literally a week before it has to be done because then a different kind of approach comes out of it. So I take the Trey Parker approach <laughs> to lyrics. Hey, it's... it's- <laughs> It's working, dude. Uh, in a nutshell, the world should listen to remote. It's coming in October, October twenty third, twenty fourth. When is it? Twenty third, yeah. Twenty third, two three. But uh, nobody gets me like you. That's out. Deserves your ear. Uh, are you bored yet? Great record, top to bottom. And please, let's hang out more so we can. I really yeah. want more music with you guys. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you giving us time and energy today. And whose room are you in? Like, who sleeps there? <laughs> holy boy you have a great you got holy, a- holy, holy boy. boy we are holy boy <laughs> that's where the magic happens we'll see that on mtv cribs one day right that's oh, right, that's right. my room <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll be there brandon will be there just chilling next is that a pineapple on the bed that's my cat's little pineapple bed cave thing cool yep well, tell your cat hi, and uh, thanks for giving us time, guys. Appreciate you. Hey, hey, thank I you for your time. Seriously, thank, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, please. Uh, hopefully next time in person. Uh, we'll be back in L.A. soon. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sweet. See Bye. you on hey, Later, everyone. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.